0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Johnette Magner. Joining me today is board-certified rheumatologist, Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic. We're going to talk about ankylosing spondylitis and how it relates to understanding the difference between inflammatory and mechanical back pain. Apparently there is quite the difference and you're going to fully understand it after our show today. Now, before we get started though, we would like for you, our viewers, to know that Dr. Goodman will give an overview of ankylosing spondylitis for the first 10 minutes of our show. And then following that, we are hoping that you will call us with any questions that you may have about this particular condition or back pain, any type of pain uh, that you're experiencing in the in the back area. And we want you to use the number that will be at the bottom of your screen. It scrolls constantly. It's 318-219-4569. And we will take your questions from 1210 to 1230. So first of all, Dr. Goodman, welcome.
1: Glad to be here.
0: I know you're a, a fixture here on Healthline 3 and a, and a much loved one. And it's a real pleasure to, to get to work with you here today.
1: Glad to work with you.
0: Well, let's get started with the topic. So what is ankylosing spondylitis?
1: Well, Johnette, ankylosing spondylitis is a type of uh, back pain that is called an inflammatory back pain, and it can cause inflammation of uh, from the neck through the thoracic spine down to the lumbar spine. It's different from mechanical low back pain, which is sort of the everyday uh, low back pain that we often uh, suffer from.
0: So what uh, actually causes it?
1: Well, we don't really know, but we think that people inherit a tendency to have their immune system make a mistake And inadvertently, when the immune system is dealing with everyday viruses and bacteria, it makes a mistake and damages a part uh, of the musculoskeletal system where the ligaments attach to the bones that is called the enthesis. So that is where the ligaments um, uh, in the back and the tendons in the back attach to the backbones, and there can be inflammation there. And it seems to be, Johnette, that there is a, um, a genetic marker called HLA-B27 mm-hmm. that is very common in people that suffer from ankylosing spondylitis. Um, in fact, about 85, maybe 90% of patients who suffer from this disease will have that genetic marker.
0: So my next question, obviously, is is there genetic testing for it? And if you have a parent or a grandparent or a sibling who has this and has this marker, what should you do as a result?
1: Well, uh, uh, w- this uh, program is uh, uh, for it to exactly that uh, purpose. Because the chance, if a person has ankylosing, the chance of getting ankylosing spondylitis in the general population in Shreveport is thought to be about one person in 300. Oh. but if you have ankylosing spondyl if you have that genetic marker that HLA-B27 marker or if you have a family history of a parent or a sibling especially a brother that has ankylosing spondylitis it could go up to 5 10 maybe 25% chance that you might get ankylosing spondylitis yourself
0: Okay and so again how is it different from ordinary back pain?
1: Well it's different from ordinary back pain in that the patient will complain of uh, what doctors will describe as inflammatory back pain. Inflammatory back pain means the person wakes up in the morning and they feel stiff and they are stiff for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour into their morning routine with inflammatory back pain such as ankylosing spondylitis. The person with mechanical back pain will wake up and feel better than they did the night before. They may be stiff, but they're only stiff for about five minutes or so. So if a person is uh, driving maybe from Monroe to see me and they've been in their car for an hour or an hour and a half and they get out of the car and they have a little bit of stiffness, they walk across the parking lot and by the time they're in my exam room that stiffness has gone away. That would be the history of somebody that has mechanical back pain. If the person is stiff and they continue to be stiff for a a long period of time, usually 30 minutes to an hour, then that would be the history of somebody with um, inflammatory back pain. The mechanical back pain person is gonna be that weekend warrior. They're gonna be out uh, mowing lawns, maybe they're about to put out some fertilizer, so they're going to, Uh, Home Depot or Lowe's, they're buying um, uh, 50-pound bags of fertilizer, they're lifting it, they're putting it in their car, then they're lifting it and putting it in their spreader. Uh, They're uh, mowing, they're uh, planting uh, annual plants, and that uh, activity, that weekend warrior activity causes their back pain to be worse. The person with uh, ankylosing spondylitis, they're going to get better with activity. Um, they might get better with repetitive uh, activity uh, such as walking, uh, jogging. Um, swimming is a great exercise for people with ankylosing spondylitis. In fact, swimming is a great exercise for almost anyone with any type of arthritis. But the person with uh, ankylosing spondylitis is going to get better with general range of motion exercises. The person with mechanical back pain probably is going to get worse.
0: So why is it so important to recognize the difference between back pain from degenerative arthritis and back pain from ankylosing spondylitis?
1: Well, rheumatologists um, have had a revolution in our discipline over the past 20 years. Medicines that were approved for rheumatoid arthritis that are called TNF blockers, tumor necrosis factor blockers, that came out about 20 years ago. The first one was Enbrel, um, and then it was quickly followed by Remicade, Humira and several others, that group of medicines was initially um, uh, studied for rheumatoid arthritis because it was the biggest market. And then it was studied for psoriatic arthritis, also a very large market. Um, After that first and second wave of research, many of the products that are used to treat those two diseases were applied to ankylosing spondylitis, and they were very successful and very helpful and turning around the inflammation at that enthesis that is typical of ankylosing spondylitis. Those medicines would not help the patient with mechanical back pain, the patient who is uh, has osteoarthritis. Those patients, the mechanism of action is not so much inflammatory, but wear and tear. Mm-hmm. And so wear and tear types of arthritis, such as osteoarthritis or when it affects our neck and back is known as degenerative joint disease or degenerative disc disease. Those types of back pain are usually going to respond to classic non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicines, muscle relaxers, injections in the back, a medicine called duloxetine or cymbalta, and then uh, if those bone spurs of mechanical back pain, if those discs have bulged or herniated, in mechanical back pain, that could cause a narrowing of the opening of our nerves that go to our arms that emerge from our neck, the nerves that go to our legs that emerge from our lumbar spine, and um, that, so a complication of mechanical back pain is what the orthopedic surgeons call spinal stenosis. Mm -hmm. The Latin term for stenosis means narrowing, so spinal stenosis uh, is worse and more dominant in mechanical back pain. The inflammatory back pain of ankylosing spondylitis usually um, doesn't have that spinal stenosis as much. They don't have to go to surgery, but they can get dramatic relief from medical treatments if the, the doctor and the patient are sort of in tuned, uh to be looking for this, uh, this condition.
0: So, if you can connect your pain to a particular activity, then that probably is another indication that it's mechanical.
1: That's right, and and so if it's, you know, if Tiger Woods um, has back pain when he swings through the golf club, he is torquing his L five mm-hmm. vertebra disc on top of S one. As as he does that, he has uh, bone spurs that are at some joints that are called the facet joints impede his uh, swing follow through. He has classic mechanical back pain from years of swing and go wow. golf club. Um, uh, Jack Nicholas also has that kind of pain. Um, if you, uh, but the person with inflammatory back pain, the person with ankylosing spondylitis, a lot of times it'll t- uh, start in young adult men. And this is one of the few diseases, the few autoimmune diseases that affects men more than women. Um, and it might start in, in their college years, in their late high school years, or in their early 20s, um, that they get out of bed, they are stiff for about an hour, uh, and they say, hey, I'm a healthy young guy, why am I feeling so bad? And, and that could be a clue um, that they might have inflammatory back pain In general, and it could be ankylosing spondylitis.
0: So, so you just uh, uh, again predicted my question, and that was, you know, males, females. How how much more common is it in males than females?
1: Well, uh, this is a moving target because um, uh, years ago it was thought that maybe. Um, Seven or eight men would get ankylosing spondylitis for every woman, but we are now discovering that the men, the ankylosing spondylitis affects their uh, x-rays and changes their x-rays in their early 20s, and so we would um, do x-rays and you would see what uh, radiologists would call a classic bamboo spine, and that means that there has been calcifications when those ligaments connect from lumbar five to lumbar four and a calcification from lumbar four to lumbar three and those calcifications then make the spine on x-ray and radiologists love to have these descriptive terms Mm -hmm. they say that looks like a bamboo spine a shoot of bamboo Mm -hmm. um, on the x-ray so a bamboo spine was an early indication of classic ankylosing spondylitis Uh, also in our um, pelvis the ilium uh, are the bones on the side and the sacrum is the bone in the middle. Well between the sacrum and the ilium you have a right sacroiliac joint and a left sacroiliac joint. Those joints can get fused in ankylosing spondylitis and that would show up on uh, x-ray and the radiologist would say uh, tune that in. A clue thus, uh, rheumatologist, orthopedic surgeons, family physicians, this person might have ankylosing spondylitis but In the past 10 years, it's been found that women's chance of getting ankylosing spondylitis is probably higher than we thought about 15 years ago, and that is because women might get ankylosing, the symptoms of ankylosing spondylitis. They might have the positive HLA-B27, they might have other lab markers that suggest there's inflammation going on in this Mm -hmm. patient's body, but we don't see that bamboo spine in those Um. patients, but if you do an MRI of the SI joint, if you do um, a little bit more aggressive looking, you might have what is now being called those people that have ankylosing spondylitis but it hasn't affected their x-rays yet, it hasn't caused the bamboo spine, it is called non-radiographic ankylosing spondylitis. It's not that it's non-radiographic, it doesn't show up on x-rays. But it can show up on MRI, so if we 're thinking about these diseases, we can treat those twenty something year olds whether it 's we think eighty uh, percent chance of men. But in the next several years, we might find that the number of women that have ankylosing spondylitis is a hidden population that we 've been ignoring, and we if we discover them. With doing more aggressive imaging with an MRI, we might find that there is a class of patients that have non-radiographic ankylosing spondylitis. Diagnose them earlier and have them uh, have better outcomes.
0: All right. So we would like to let everyone know that we are going to begin taking calls right now. Um, So please call and reach out to us Send the number here at the bottom of the screen and you can ask Dr. Goodman anything you'd like to ask regarding back pain and especially ankylosing spondylitis. Um, so you talked about young people getting it in their 20s and, and um, or teens even perhaps. That's right. Do you see patients who develop it though later in life, in their 50s and 60s and 70s? Or Um, is this a, if if you get to a certain age and you don't have it, you're in the clear?
1: Well, it's not that you get to a certain age and you don't have it and you're in the clear because uh, we do see people that uh, are, uh, we're seeing that have, you know, there's always been, if you did this HLA-B27 test and and, uh, the numbers or something like this, the chance of um, the general population in Shreveport, if I did a HLA B27 on everybody there, might have eight percent of the people in Shreveport, bosier might have a positive HLA B27. But the chance of uh, and, and so that would be about one person in twelve that would get it. Um, but if you had um, if you looked at the incidence of um, ankylosing spondylitis, it's about one in three hundred. So are some of those people between the incidence of 1 in 300 and 1 in 12 people that we are underdiagnosing diagnosing uh, with ankylosing spondylitis. I don't think it's all of them. Mm-hmm. I, I think it may be a modest percentage and it might be some women who have inflammatory back pain, they get their, a plain x-ray of their back, um, the radiologist read is, reads it as a normal x-ray mm-hmm. um, and they are still suffering from uh, the disease and, and so they might ask the question uh, so a question could be asked, do you have a brother or sister or sibling or parent that has ankylosing spondylitis? But also, Johnette, it runs in families that may have psoriatic arthritis. Mm-hmm. It runs mm-hmm. in families that may have plain psoriasis. It runs in families that may have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. These other inflammatory diseases that are getting a lot of, um, a lot of attention in the rheumatology uh, uh, discipline, in gastroenterology, uh, from gastroenterologists and from dermatologists, we're all focusing on uh, trying to diagnose these people earlier. And so there may be, I don't know if it's going to be like just the tip of the iceberg is the people that we see with a bamboo spine and there's a big group underneath that is undiagnosed, but it might be. Um, something like that there are still some undiagnosed patients to, uh, to have uh, problems with ankylosing spondylitis. And I know you're going to be talking to Dr. Phil Roseman uh, in a later segment uh, that is going to be about education, but the cardiologists um, see that some people that have ankylosing spondylitis or have these markers can get inflammation um, in the inner lining of the arteries. And the okay. inner lining of the arteries we have the tunica intima um, and uh, media uh, and there can be inflammation that can cause those two uh, levels to separate and so there is a slight increased chance of people getting a dissecting aortic aneurysm when they have some of these conditions
0: it's amazing how these things are so interrelated
1: and it's like Well, wait a minute. If we have this person that has a positive SED rate and nobody's thought to do an HLAB27, and they kind of complain of inflammatory back pain, and then we sort of go down that road, we do the HLAB27, we do the MRI, hey, you may have non radiographic ankylosing spondylitis, and if we treat that person with an appropriate medicine in their 30s, might we? decrease their chance, might we decrease the chance of getting a dissecting aortic aneurysm that might see Dr. Roseman uh, at age 50 or so.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, it appears we have a caller uh, on the line right now. Jamie, welcome to the show, and please ask your question. Hi, Jamie. Uh, (coughs) Hi, thank you. Is balkinosis a form of inflammatory
1: but no i ain't. Uh, so is your question is spinal stenosis a form of inflammatory back pain yes. that's a great question yes. um, usually spinal stenosis is not a form of inflammatory back pain spinal stenosis is a form of uh, degenerative back pain of osteoarthritis what happens there um, is that the openings where our nerves go out to our arms and to our legs, the, the openings in our neck uh, where the nerves go to our arms, the openings in our low back where the nerves go to, to our legs, m- might have bone spurs from a joint called the facet joint or discs from the disc in the front of the opening. The name of the opening, and we like to use Latin terms, is the Latin term for window is foramina. And so there is a neural foramina on the right and the left side of our body um, uh, at every level of our spine. So there are five levels in our lumbar spine and there are two uh, right and left neural foramina. So there are 10 nerve windows, 10 neural foramina. And if bone spurs are pushing into those neural foramina or if discs are pushing into those neural foramina, they would be squeezing the nerve. The Latin term for squeezing or narrowing of an opening is stenos. And so in cardiology, stenosis would be a closing off of an artery. In uh, rheumatology and orthopedics, musculoskeletal uh, symptoms, stenosis of the spine or spinal stenosis would be a closing off of those nerve windows that are called neural foramina. That is much more typical in in, uh, mechanical back pain than inflammatory back pain. And musculoskeletal, um, uh, orthopedic surgeons that uh, work on spines and uh, neuro and orthopedic (laughs) surgeons that do neck surgery and back surgery, 90% of what they do is relieve spinal stenosis from mechanical back pain of osteoarthritis. Thank you for that call. I hope that's helpful. Yes, sir, that cleared a lot for me. thank 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 you for triggering that discussion because i think that helps other viewers uh kind of get a better flavor of the difference between these two concepts of back pain
0: all right before we go any further would you take a minute to tell everyone where you're located and how to reach you all that good stuff sure
1: um i'm uh, at 740 jordan street in shreveport uh, and my office uh, my office phone number is area code 318 424-9240. I'm on fa- Facebook at Facebook forward slash ARTHDOC, A-R-T-H-D-O-C, and I'm on um, uh, the web ARTHDOC.com. So that phone number, 318-424-9240. And I think we have a- another call.
0: We do. We have another caller. Williams.
1: Hi, William. Yes,
0: uh, the question you just answered was the question I had because I've been diagnosed with stenosis, uh, stenosis. Yes, spinal, ma'am. Stenosis. spinal
1: stenosis. Well, um, do, do you have any other parts of that question that you want me to amplify?
0: No, no, I do not. You answered it very well. And well, I said, you. oh, that's the question I was
1: going to answer. I thank you so much. Well, thank you for calling. Um, and so that just echoes that spinal stenosis a complication of mechanical back pain, a complication, um, and uh, different doctors will call it degenerative joint disease, degenerative disc disease. In our back, we, at every level, we have a disc in the front and we have two other uh, uh, joints. There is a facet joint on the left side, just in the back of the disc. There is a facet joint on the right side, just in the back of the disc. If those joints have bone spurs coming off of them, if those discs were to bulge or if those discs were to herniate, they could squeeze into that opening, that nerve window, that neural foramina, and cause spinal stenosis. Much more common than mm-hmm. uh, ankylosing spondylitis, but it's, it's good that uh, right. patients, viewers, and doctors are thinking about both diseases because we can do a lot better and, and get to an answer uh, for both groups of patients quicker.
0: All right, and Mary welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, Mary Hey, how are you all doing today? Good. My my son is 35 years old, and he does have ankylosing spondylitis. And what concerns me as I see him growing older is the curvature of his spine around his chest area. And will that affect other organs in his body?
1: Um, the answer is yes and yes. Um, uh, ankylosing uh, means bending. Spondylitis mm-hmm. means inflammation of the spine. And, and we have focused on the inflammation where the ligaments attach to the bone that rheumatologists and pathologists call the enthesis. So ankylosing spondylitis can affect the spine. It can also and it can cause a person's uh, thoracic spine to bend forward. Um, Mm -hmm. these medications can be very helpful in relieving that inflammation and uh, preserving that range of motion in the back. In addition, in the thoracic spine, if you have the spine bending forward, um, ankylosing spondylitis can also affect the joints uh, adjacent to the spine, and some of the joints that we don't think about too much are the joints where our ribs attach to our backbone. Uh, Those Mm -hmm. joints can be affected by ankylosing spondylitis, and so if it progresses uh, long enough, then our um, range of motion of our rib cage may be diminished. The height of our rib cage may be diminished. The ability to take in a deep breath may be compromised. And a pulmonology doctor might see that the patients, and they, the pulmonologists say the amount of volume that you can pull into your lungs. They call it a tidal volume. Um, pulling it into your lungs, so the patient's tidal volume, of in their lungs, might be limited not because of a pulmonary disease, but because of a disease of the rib cage, which is ankylosing spondylitis. I've also mentioned uh, that sometimes people with ankylosing spondylitis have a modestly increased chance of getting dissecting aortic aneurysms. So that's another. Um, uh, outside of the spine, or we would say, extra spinal um, manifestation of ankylosing spondylitis. In addition, where do you draw the line between people that have ankylosing spondylitis and they have a little patch of psoriasis? So inflammation, uh, uh, people with ankylosing spondylitis can have skin disease that it would be psoriasis, and they may have um, uh, uh, inflammatory diseases inside of their intestinal tract. And depending on when the pathologist, I mean, when the gastroenterologist scopes you and does a biopsy, if the if the pathologist sends the message back to the gastroenterologist, oh, the inflammation in their colon is Crohn's disease, or oh, the inflammation in their colon is ulcerative colitis, well, our immune system doesn't read a textbook and say I'm only going to cause cause um, Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. It can also cause inflammatory back pain that we've been talking about. It can also cause uh, other inflammatory conditions and even inflammatory disease of the eyes can can be tied in and have an he increased risk with ankylosing oh. spondylitis.
0: He does suffer with that. He does? Su-
1: your son who's 35 suffers yes. from inflammatory eye disease? Yes he does. Well the um, about 15 years ago that First group of medicines that I've talked about earlier in the uh, broadcast, the TNF blockers, Humera, Enbrel, Remicade, Symphony, Symphony aurea, or to name several simsia, those medicines can help the inflammation in the enthesis of ankylosing spondylitis, and they can help the inflammation in the eyes uh, that the ophthalmologist is uh, assessing that would be called inflammatory eye disease. And where we rheumatologists are doing lab tests that like a lab test that is a marker of inflammation called a sedimentation rate or another marker of inflammation called a CRP or C-reactive protein, Mm -hmm. the ophthalmologist will look into the eye with what uh, the ophthalmologist calls a slit lamp exam and they will count the floating particles in the eye to see and they might label it 1 plus, 2 plus, 3 plus, 4 plus. And if they say uh, an explosion, a lot of inflammation, then they may give your son uh, steroid eye drops. But sometimes mm-hmm. if the ophthalmologists are unable to control the inflammation, they may want the rheumatologist to say, hey, can we put them on some of your new medicines, the TNF blockers, might they be a good candidate to be on Enbrel, Humira, Simzia?" some of those, or might they need some other medications that are also now used, the interleukin-17 blockers that are advertised heavily for uh, psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis like Cosyntix and TALTS and several other uh, medications. Takes. So he takes it. Um yes, he So it, the cosentix should be able to help your son's inflammatory back disease, ankylosing spondylitis, and your son's inflammatory eye disease. But your uh, son's rheumatologist and their ophthalmologist are going to have to work together and make sure that both of those um, uh, conditions are getting addressed. But thank you for that call. Um, I think that gives our other viewers a lot of insight into um, all of this.
0: Okay, so we've got one minute left here. I'd like for you to just remind everybody about where you're located and how they can reach you as well as all the different things that we've been talking about, ankylosing spondylitis, but, but if people have other problems, what, what other kind of issues do well, you see?
1: Rheumatologists typically treat inflammatory diseases. We can treat degenerative diseases, but we don't have as many tools in our toolbox. Inflammatory diseases like ankylosing spondylitis, rheumatoid arthritis, and psoriatic arthritis are sort of the bread and butter of what a rheumatologist does. Also lupus as well, and Sjogren's syndrome. And um, I'm here in Shreveport, and my phone number is 318-424-9240.
0: All right, well, it's been a delight visiting with you today, and we thank all of you for joining us here for Healthline 3. I hope you make it a good day and join us when we uh, visit with Dr. Goodman again next month. Bye bye.